it was bound to happen in the current global pandemic scenario. Someone close to me caught the dreaded COVID-19 virus. I had a lot of questions when I found out, and so did a lot of people. So I thought it would be helpful to share this information so we are all better prepared against our common enemy. Hi, I'm V. Welcome to Banana Q Podcast. Today we have a special guest, a good friend of mine who survived COVID-19. This interview was conducted back in April for my blog, but we thought the information was worth me sharing on the podcast. For background, my friend is a fit, late 30s male who lives in Metro Manila, Philippines. He had no other underlying issues but was hospitalized for 22 days at St. Luke's Medical Center, one of the best hospitals in the Philippines. To protect his privacy... I'll be calling him a different name in this interview. Lewis. Like an interview with a vampire. Get it? At least my friend gets to pretend he looks like Brad Pitt, even just this once. Now, on to the interview. Let's start at the beginning. What were your first symptoms? Well, during the first week of March, I had headaches and felt weak and fatigued even though I had no fever. I also got chills, even though it wasn't cold. Then, over the weekend, I lost my sense of taste. It wasn't that the food was bland, but they didn't taste how they were supposed to taste. Like, for example, Jollibee Chicken Joy. We all love Jollibee Chicken Joy, right? It tasted too salty. I couldn't bear to eat anything and could only drink fruit juices. So I decided to go to the emergency room to do an initial checkup on March 11th. At this point, did you suspect that this was COVID-19? Not really, because I hadn't read um, extensively about COVID-19 symptoms. And I only knew that it starts with a fever, a flu, and a cough, which I didn't have. I just went to the hospital because my loss of taste was making me eat less and I felt very weak. I couldn't even walk for a short two blocks without getting very exhausted. Oh no. And when you got to the ER, what did they do? At that time, they were already starting to get isolated cases of COVID-19. So they asked me if I had fever, colds, or flu, and I had traveled recently or had contact with someone who had COVID-19, all of which were negative on my part. They accepted me into the ER and did a blood test and x-ray. The initial results of my x-ray were clear, but my blood tests show low white blood cells and low platelet count. They tested me for dengue, but it came out negative. Since I was very weak, um, they decided to admit me for further observation. Yeah, yeah, I also had dengue before, so yeah, I think low platelet count is one of the symptoms of dengue, that's true. So, when did they start to suspect that this was COVID-19? Uh, the next day, uh, 12th of March, I got a call from the Tagig LGU, the government's local representative from the Department of Health, um, oh. regarding contact tracing. They had discovered right. that I contact with someone with COVID-19 when we attended the same spinning class. We also happen to live in the same building, but we didn't know each other personally, and I have not encountered him in our condo before. This brand new information made me into a PUI, um, person under investigation, If in case you don't know that, because you've been out of the country for a while. 
So the hospital transferred me to an isolated floor for infectious diseases. Wow. Okay. Uh, but, but that's good to know, though, that actually the government in the Philippines has uh, contact tracing that actually works. Like, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after this happened, did they swab you for COVID-19? Yeah, the day after on March 13th, they did swab test on my nose and throat. They take a long stick, which they insert into the very end of your nose and into your throat to the point that you feel like throwing up. Uh, it was really difficult. Uh, a nurse mentioned that some people actually do throw up. I didn't, but it was painful. It's not something that you will look forward to, definitely. In fact, when they asked me about what time I wanted to do my second swab on uh, April 1st, I said, hmm, I will never be ready. <laughs> I don't think I will ever be ready either. <laughs> so did, did you have more symptoms after that swab? Well, on that day on my first day of swab, um, I experienced diarrhea and difficulty in breathing. I started Uh coughing because I couldn't breathe properly. The nurses uh, looked at my pulse oximeter. Oh, what is that? It monitors like your oxygen saturation. And then they saw that my reading was below 70. Oh, is that bad? A normal reading should be 95 and above, so it was too low. Oh, yeah, that is very low, yeah. Yeah, and And then, then, yeah, after this, they ran tests and put me on a simple oxygen support and advised me how to to do deep breathing. Okay. They also did an x-ray and saw that my lungs were cloudy, um, even though two days before it was clear. Oh, wow, that's fast. Yeah. Okay, and then... (laughs) Uh, when they saw this and noticed that my breathing hadn't improved, um, administered me hypo-oxygen yeah. therapy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and this happened within the span of two days. That's quite quick. But yeah. then I read that a lot of people, though, usually take a turn for the worse around the 10th day. So since you had symptoms before checking into the hospital, maybe this was your 10th day? Um, how long were you in oxygen? So I was on that the high-flow oxygen therapy machine for six days. I was so weak that I couldn't get off the bed to walk even a short distance to the toilet. I had to do my business in a urinal bottle or bedpan. Oh, after no, that's that, not comfortable. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> after that, I was on simple oxygen support for eight days. Oh, that's, uh, that's what? Eight plus six is 14. 14 Wait, days. Yeah, 14 days, that's a lot. Can you describe, like, you know, what is the difficulty? What does difficulty in breathing feel like? Because uh, I I don't know what that's like. Can you describe it for us? Mm, uh, Whenever I had to remove the oxygen tube, after about a minute, I would feel like my chest was heavy and no oxygen was going in. Like the sensation you feel when you hold your breath. Oh my god, that's terrible. And what other treatments did they put you on? Well, for the six days that I was on high-flow oxygen therapy, um, they run a bunch of tests and combine different medicines. I think some of them were antibiotics that are also being used to treat HIV. Whoa, that's strange, HIV? Yeah, it was kind of weird because they asked um, sensitive questions about my sex life. As well. Oh, not as awkward. Okay. Yeah, but they had to do that because um, some medicines are similar to HIV treatment. So they have to adjust the dosage if in case I was uh, positive. Right. So they tested you. I, they and... ended up like, testing me for HIV oh. as well. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you were negative, right? 
Yeah, it came out yeah, negative. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah, and they also asked uh, for permission to treat me as if I were a COVID-19 positive patient because the test results still hasn't come back after three days, but I was negative for all other diseases. Um, they and injected, that's good. Yeah, yeah, they injected medicines into my IV drip, but I also had to swallow two gigantic pills every morning and evening. My arm oh, became no. swollen at one point. Uh, it wasn't com- comfortable at all, but somehow I managed to get some sleep. Oh, that sounds bad. You mentioned this is six days, so mm-hmm. on the seventh day, what happened? Yeah, I was starting to feel better, so they slowly reduced my oxygen support. For example, if it started at 100, they dropped it to 90, and so on. When it was at 50 and I still felt good, um, they, re- they removed me from high-flow oxygen therapy and put me back on simple oxygen support. My appetite also started to come back, so I started eating. Previously, I was purely on IV drip. I was encouraged to eat so I could get more nutrients and feel better. Did you eat Chicken Joy? <laughs> I wish maybe I could not. eat Chicken Joy in a hospital. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe it was too early for that. Too early. Anyway, so, so when did you fully recover? So I, I actually already felt well after they had removed the simple oxygen support, but we just needed to finish my antibiotics and other meds, and my COVID-19 test still had no results yet. Oh my god, that's very long, right? Like, how long was it? Is it? Uh, it's almost like two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks, yeah. and there was still no result. Okay, and then? Yeah. yeah, and after consulting with the authorities, they decided to release me after they did an x-ray test which showed that my lungs were no longer cloudy on on the 4th of April. But okay. with the caveat that I had to quarantine myself for 14 days after my release. Yeah, that's to protect the other people mm. just in case you're still contagious. Yeah. Which is a good thing. And then? Yeah, I, yeah and on the day of my release, my first swab uh, test results happened to come back. So it was a good 14 days wait. And it <laughs> yeah, came, that's long. And it came positive. I definitely had COVID-19 uh, during the time that I was in the hospital. Yeah, so you were already treated and all that before they managed to confirm that you really had COVID-19. That is like only in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then? Yeah, so my second swab test results, which was taken on the first of April um, arrived on 5th of April and it came negative which means I no longer had virus. Okay, that's good then. That means uh, that their treatment worked and it's a good thing they didn't wait for the first result before they treated you otherwise who knows what would have happened, right? (laughs) So, So did you still feel any symptoms after being released? No, I feel well now. Though of course I haven't overexerted myself yet just to make sure I don't fall sick again. Actually, on my release day I insisted on not being brought out on a wheelchair because I wanted to test my mobility. I had about five days of being mobile by then so perhaps that was why i was already feeling healthy at that point okay that's good to know but okay i guess this is one important question for filipinos how much was your total hospital bill oh my god um this is a tough discussion Um, The bill amounted to 950,000 pesos for confinement in a private room uh no icu Oh my god, that's such a huge amount and there's there isn't even an ICU. 
Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. True. But then, yeah. luckily for me, my company's uh, medical insurance cap was uh, 350,000 pesos. And my company footed the rest of the bill and wired the money to my bank account so I didn't need to pay anything myself. I read about this guy whose bill reached um, 1.4 million pesos and he couldn't pay for it. So he had to ask for help to get it paid before he could be released. And you're quite lucky that... Um You know that you're working for a good company that you know decided to have this uh what do you call this uh insurance like I think on top of your insurance they paid for everything so you don't yeah. you didn't have to pay for it um so which hospital did you stay at so I stayed at the Saint Luke's Medical Center oh and, okay yeah. and that probably explains why the bill is the high bill, but yeah mm. but the advantage of that though is that uh it's a reliable hospital. So you probably survived because you stayed in that hospital, right? So yeah. it was a good move on your part to go there. Yeah, yeah. Life is think, pressure, so... Yeah. And also, I think it was still early March, um, you know, so there was still not a lot. I mean, the, the hospitals were probably not that full yet. Uh, I think now it would probably be difficult to to even get into a hospital, is what I read. So, so that so you were lucky that you were early, that you were a trendsetter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so, so what is your review of the hospital? Well, the medical staff were all in uh, proper PPE, and they were prepared for that kind of situation. There were around three floors dedicated for COVID nineteen patients, and the ratio of nurses to patients was um, probably around one is to five. They were definitely very busy around that time. At one point, the rooms were filled that they couldn't even immediately accommodate a politician who caught the virus. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> and I was I was quite happy with them overall. I even ordered food for the medical staff uh, on my birthday, which I spent in the hospital. That is definitely probably your most memorable birthday to date, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. 2020. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, did you have any emotional struggles, like? You know, were you afraid of dying at any point? I don't think I thought of death, but during my first week, um, it was very scary to think that I would be dependent on a machine in order to breathe. I was worried that it wouldn't improve and I would be like this in the future. The That's most difficult that. part was going through it alone, because if your family was there, at least someone would be there to support you. Not just with yeah. words of encouragement, but also to help you physically. Because the nurses can't be there all the time since they have uh, other patients to attend to. Yeah. So that was the main difficulty I encountered. Not so much thinking about death, actually, but rather what the long-term impact would be on me and going through it alone. So that, I mean, you must have been so, so relieved that, you know, you could finally breathe on your own after uh, 14 days. I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, did you have any... Underlying conditions. Um, what do you think helped you through this experience? I think it helped that I had no underlying conditions and I am generally healthy. I am not overweight. I exercise frequently and eat a balanced diet, though I didn't really drink multivitamins regularly. I don't fall sick a lot. The last time I was admitted to a hospital was when I was seven years old. Yeah, But you are quite healthy. Yes. I would okay. like to think so. <laughs> But I. Also also think that my mental health was a factor. Oh, in maybe, what way? 
yeah, maybe it's just um, innate for me to try to be positive, even during times when it's difficult to. But I think this attitude really helped me during my confinement. Okay. Uh, yeah, for example, like during moments when I had just buzzed for a nurse's help, but it took her a while to get to me, I would tell myself, okay, Louis, you can do this. You can stand up by yourself. You can walk towards the fridge. It's only a few steps. Then I would slowly get up, sit down for a bit, take deep breaths, inch forward, rest again, and so on, until I do manage to get to the fridge. Um, I, I would constantly tell myself, you are not going to get well, Lewis, if you are just going to lie down and not do anything. I think that more than the pre-existing conditions, it is your positive mental attitude that will help you survive this. Positivity is key. So that's the end of the interview with a COVID-19 survivor that I conducted back in April. When I did that interview, I don't think I expected that in five months, we would still not be over the pandemic. Lewis is still fine, by the way. He has not experienced any long-term effects from the disease. Of course, not every victim experiences the same thing. So let's all just wash our hands, wear our masks, practice social distancing, and stay positive. Not COVID-19 positive, but have a positive attitude because we need that in order to survive not just COVID-19, but this whole 2020. Stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.